Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi. Hi, everyone. Liz Bentley here, coming live from Long Beach Island, New Jersey. I am going to record this episode and then go see Cousin Julia. It's kind of cloud. Well, the sun's coming out. It's really humid, so I don't know if we're going to do the beach. We might do a boat day, but hopefully it'll be nice. How is everybody? Um, If you want to hear me, I know last week, I'm pretty sure last week on the podcast, I said I was going to talk about Little People Big World. I actually can't remember, but I talked about Teal Swan this week on Patreon. I am fucking obsessed with Teal Swan. I have gone so far beyond the deep end documentary. Like I am living, breathing, sleeping Teal Swan. So go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Listen to me talk about that. And then this week I'm going to do Little People Big World. Um, the new season is actually good. <laughs> season 23. That's insane. But Matt Roloff is peak, peak, peak asshole. And so is his wife, which is lovely to watch because you all know I love to watch a family in crisis because I'm a bad person. (laughs) Because I am a bad person. (laughs) Full stop. That's just what it is. You know, it's just my truth. Anyway, hi. How are we? I am good. Um, There's not really that much Teen Mom news, although Caitlin Lowry, Caitlin, Kaylin, Kale Lowry, I guess had Dr. Drew on her podcast, and they talked about wanting to reboot Celebrity Rehab with um, reality stars to talk about reality TV stars' mental health. Um, I'm here for that. I posted that on my Instagram and some people said they were surprised that I'd be into that. But here's the thing. Dr. Drew is incredibly fun to watch be an asshole. You know, like I like to watch celebrity rehab. I like to watch him being a bad person. Like he's incredibly frustrating in the capacity of teen mom because like he doesn't watch the show and I know 8 million times things more about Teen Mom than he does. So when I watch these reunions, I'm like, not only do I hate his advice and his like logic about things in general, but I hate how little he knows about the show Teen Mom. But when Dr. Drew is outside of the capacity of Teen Mom, he can be super entertaining. I mean, I listened to Loveline for years and years and years. You know, like I came up on Loveline and then I watched him on TV and I watched Celebrity Rehab and I recently rewatched Celebrity Rehab. I did season three, three, I think, on the Patreon, whatever the um, season with Mackenzie Phillips and Dennis Rodman. It's a really good season. Dr. Drew is okay sometimes. He's just like fun to watch be bad. And I like the idea of reality TV stars coming together specifically to address their mental health. Now, you know, some people said, does Kale know that she needs to be a participant on this show and not a host? Kale should apologize for being such a piece of shit before she would do this. To that I say, no. No, 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 no. Yes, of course, we would want Kale to be a participant on the show. Of course, she would never be the host of this show. She would be a participant. But even so, this is not a show or it wouldn't be a show about 
real life care in real life, right? It would be reality TV stars coming on to talk about how much their mental health suffers from being reality TV stars, which is right up my alley. Um, I would love that meta conversation. And Kale being a monster, also being a host, is just funny. That just adds a funny aspect to it for me. You know, like I'm not looking for a show like this to be hosted by healthy people. I'm looking for a show like this to be hosted by Dr. Drew, who's a monster, and then possibly also Kale Lowry, who's also a monster. That would be so fun. So all I can say is I'm here for it. I'm all in. MTV, VH1, I guess. Give us that show. I don't care if Kale gets the host. I don't care if Kale gets rewarded for her bad behavior. I know that really upsets people when it comes to Kale, but I don't care that much about that. You know, like Kale is a bad person, but the reality is that Kale's a famous reality TV star and famous people get rewarded for their bad behavior, especially when you're in a um, a career in which bad behavior gets attention and views. So let's do it. Let's get Kale on celebrity rehab, mental health, reality TV stars version. I wonder what they would call it. Maybe reality TV star rehab. It'd be like couples therapy, you know, or like family boot camp. Like, I love that shit. So I'm all in on that. Anyway, we're going to do a throwback this week. As I said, I think I'm going to do Team Mom Young and Pregnant every other week because I just am. I don't think that there's really necessarily enough to talk about on Teen Mom Young and Pregnant every single week. I think it works better as an every other week show. And I love doing these throwbacks. So we're still in season three. We did episodes seven and eight. Um, I think there's like 12 or 13 episodes this season. So we're really, you know, like cranking into the season. And so far, what I find so interesting, well, I find a bunch of things interesting. One, I like that this is like the precipice of everybody becoming kind of what they are for the next at least five years, right? Like Leah is mucking her life the fuck up by like going back and forth between Corey and Jeremy. Janelle is at a really depressing point. It's actually like sad for me to watch Janelle in these seasons because I feel like Janelle in a way, wants to be better here. You know, Kiefer's not in her life. She's passing her drug tests. Like, she's just really, really struggling with her mental health. And this is when it, like, starts to spiral. And this is when she eventually becomes addicted to heroin. And then shortly after this season, she's married to Cortland. And just, like, everything spirals out of control. And it's sad to think, like, if someone had stepped in and, like, really helped her I wonder what her life would have looked like if it would have been better I think there's a good possibility it would have been uh Chelsea is really on her way to becoming Chelsea DeVore like if you watch this season although her hair still looks horrific her hair makes me want to vomit I don't like I don't know why but her hair makes me physically ill I understand how dramatic that sounds by the way like I I do hear myself talking sometimes (laughs) 
Sometimes I'm recording this podcast and I swear to God, you guys know I'm in like a fugue state when I'm doing this. I'm just like talking. I'm in a full disassociative state. And sometimes I like zoom back in like I'm watching myself like from above and I'm like, bitch, what are you saying? And I mean, I feel that way when I say that watching Chelsea's hair makes me want to throw up because I understand that sounds ridiculous. But I think of how it feels and it like it's a sensory thing. It just makes it like it truly gives me full body chills to think about how her hair must have felt. But besides that horrific, horrific, horrific hair, she's starting to wear more flattering clothing. In one of these episodes, she's wearing a hat. And, you know, Chelsea is such a hat girl. My secret confession is I want to be a hat girl. I actually bought a beautiful, expensive hat. It's so beautiful. I love it so much. I don't wear it. I just want I want to wear it. I need a place to wear it. I just need to start wearing it and become a hat girl. I want to be like I am at my very core, like a Christian fall girl. You know, you know that meme like that's truly me. I'm very preppy. I love a fall and winter look and I just want to be a hat girl like Chelsea. Not like Chelsea because her hats are a little too big for me. But she's wearing a hat in this episode. I noticed she's wearing, um, I talked about this two episodes ago. Well, I guess, I don't know. It was like a year ago at this point because I took a week off. But when I had Kai on uh, the podcast and we were talking about how I noticed she was wearing like more form-fitting clothes and I was like, is Chelsea suddenly thin? Like, not that she wasn't thin earlier, but I'm like, Chelsea suddenly looks a lot more physically like she does now and I just realized she's wearing clothes that fit her because if you watch the first two seasons of Team Mom like yeah Chelsea had more weight on her she carried more weight in her face but not that much like really not that much we act like Chelsea was 600 pounds before and she truly never was she was maybe like a size 10 and now she's a size 4 type of thing like we act like Chelsea was huge but really Chelsea just wore size XXXXXL shirts and size XXXL sweatpants all the time. So she looks bigger. And I like I know that's definitely like an insecurity thing. And I mean, I fall into that. Like it's easy to want to default to bigger clothes because you feel like it hides your body. But actually, usually if you wear more form fitting clothes, it's more flattering. Although like, look, concept of flattering clothes is like inherently fat phobic and there's so much stuff I'm trying to unlearn when it comes to fat phobia but I grew up in diet culture you know like <laughs> I have a long 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 way to go but Chelsea I'm like I feel like she's starting to like come into her more adult style she is learning to like dress in cuter clothes not that I think Chelsea's clothes are particularly cute but you know so good for you Chelsea Kale is like this is a weird season for Kale I don't think it's a particularly interesting season for Kale um I guess unless Javi comes in this season but I, I guess he must have come in in season four she must have met him during the hiatus Unless she meets him at the end of this season. But I don't think that's what happens. Honestly, I can't remember. It'll be a nice surprise. I do. I think I'm going to continue doing these throwbacks like into a new season. Because whatever the new season is, it's probably going to be 
better to talk about two episodes at once. And I would love to like get into season four because I think it would be fun to like do that transition. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Kale is not doing too much, honestly, this season because I think she's in like a transitional period of her life. And it's kind of interesting that she is in this floundering period, if you will, becomes to me very obvious how Javi was able to come in and worm his little heart into her life. Like I I see it so clearly because in this season she is like desperate for a partner, right? Like she wants it to be Joe. Joe doesn't want it. So she's like with Jordan. She doesn't even like Jordan. So eventually she has to break up with him. In these episodes I'm going to talk about, she's like trying to like desperately get a family she's like going to Texas to see her sister and her cousins and she's like maybe I'll move here I just want to have family and so you can just see how Javi shows up he's like I'm ready to be the father to Isaac it doesn't really matter that Isaac has a father you know like doesn't really matter um he wants to work hard he wants to live together oh and by the way kale i have this like huge family that you would get to be part of it's just so hobby shows up and he's kind of like everything she wanted joe to be is her and i don't think jordan ever was like that because although i think jordan was very um very like reliably there for her i don't think kale was ever very into Jordan like physically or emotionally and I think she does get very into Javi you know at the beginning of this relationship I know now she says like she was never in love until she met Chris but then she also says like Javi is the love of her life (laughs) like Kill is the most unreliable narrator truly of all time like there's never been a more unreliable narrator than Kale about herself um, so and I like she did love Javi. I think the issues is that Kale didn't really know what love was because she never had healthy relationships in her life and never really felt love from any adult, which is crushingly sad, <laughs> like crushingly sad for me to think about. And so when she meets Joe, she's like, oh, my God, I love him so much. And then she meets Javi and she's like, oh, my God, I love him so much. And then eventually she meets Chris and she feels an infatuation she had never really felt before. And I think she was kind of like, oh, now I'm in love. Like, I remember thinking that when I got with my like boyfriend that I was with in my 20s, like looking back at my high school relationship. And I thought I loved my high school boyfriend so much. Like I loved him. Right. And then when I was like with my 20s boyfriend and we were like living together and like in this full partnership as fucked up as it was, we we were together for a really long time and we spent all of our time together. And I was just like, oh, I didn't love my high school boyfriend. I just liked him a lot. Like, this is love. And, you know, who knows? Like, I don't know. Who knows, right? Looking back, if that's right. But I do remember feeling that way. And I think that's probably, like, what Kale is feeling. Like, she just never had anything to compare it to. And so once she got something to compare it to, she's like, well, I like Chris so much more than I ever liked Joe or Hobby. So... Kale is in a transition, as I say, and it's she's really ripe. She's really ripe for Javi to come in and stick his little claws in her. I think if Javi is a Cheshire cat, 
you guys know I always say he has like that Cheshire cat smile from Alice in Wonderland. But I also think he like walks around like a cat. And I also think of him as having claws like a cat in which he like digs them into people. (laughs) Javi is such a monster. The way he's gotten away with it. It's just wild. He's lucky he's a man, I guess. Okay, let's talk about these throwback episodes, shall we? Let's start with Kale since we're talking about her. And I also think that she had like the most boring episodes, if you will. Kale is depressed that she's alone. She's just feeling really lonely and she wants to pack up and leave. And I'm like, hey, Kale, hon, Kale, Kale, you have a baby that lives in Pennsylvania. You can't just pack up and leave. I feel sad for Kale here um, because to me, watching this is so clear that she should not have uh, carried Isaac to term. Isaac is such a sweet kid. Love Isaac. I don't mean this as like Isaac doesn't deserve to be born. But watching this makes me depressed because Kale is somebody that would have benefited so much from like getting to be a teenager and a woman in her early 20s that didn't have a child, right? Because she comes from such an unstable background, which we're going to fucking talk about in this episode because there was a revelation I totally forgot about that's so fucked up um, regarding her mom and a mom's boyfriend. But Kale has never really had a stable family. I don't think she probably would have like went away for college because I'm not sure if she would have been able to afford going away for college. But like, I don't know. I could have seen her going to like, this is for all my PA friends. Like I could have seen her at like Penn State Altoona or Westchester or Bloomsburg, like even Millersville. Like I could have seen her at like a state college where she Like, I don't, and like I said, like, I don't know if that would like work great for her, but she would have got to try and make mistakes in a way that I think she was not able to because she had a child, right? Which is a big reason that we don't encourage teen pregnancy because when you don't have a baby, it's a lot easier to like make mistakes and fuck up and move around and get to do a bunch of stuff that like you can't do when you have a child. And Kale, like, hearing her be like, I just want to get out of this area. And, like, yeah, she does eventually leave Pennsylvania, but, like, for Dover, Delaware, which is same, same, right? Like, if you're from this area, it's truly same, same, but different. Like, there's no difference between living in the Lehigh Valley and living in Dover, Delaware. Just the physical geography is different, but they're the same exact place. So, I, like, I wish she could have just moved to Texas for a little while. And would it have worked out? Probably not. Right. Like probably not. But she would have been able to like have that freedom to make those choices. And I think I mean, I unfortunately think that this is true for a lot of people who have babies as teenagers. Remember, as I always say, I'm not necessarily talking about people who get pregnant as teenagers um, because there is a big socioeconomic difference between getting pregnant and having a baby, of course, (laughs) as we all know. And I think that a lot of people, women, whatever, who choose to have children as teens, you know, who choose to parent um, are usually doing so not always, not always, not always. There are exceptions to every rule, but often doing so because they lack a love in their life from a family, right? Or like a parent or 
and it's not like I'm saying every teen parent like doesn't have family that loves them. But I just mean I think that they're like really searching for something emotional in their lives that they think that they'll get from having a child. And I think that's what Kale thought would happen. And also just like Kale's whole thing where she got pregnant at 16 and her mom forced her to have an abortion. And it was just, you know, I, I could only imagine what was going through Kale's mind when she got pregnant again. Kale's been pregnant so many times, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> Ooh, Kaylin. Um, I think Kale was really looking to like have a family of her own. And it's sad that she was so immature and impulsive in making that decision and that she didn't have the wisdom of adulthood to be like, the way that I'm going to make my own family is by like building a life that I like and meeting people and meeting a partner and having a partner and then we have kids together or like finding a chosen family of friends which we know she's always been trying to do and I just I just wish that she could have like went to college genuinely I wish she could I know I know she went to community college but I wish she could have lived like a normal college experience I think she I wish she could have like moved around as she saw fit I wish she could have had the independence that I think she thought a having a baby would give her because she was 18 and an idiot because 18 year olds are often idiots Oh, kale, kale, kale. Okay, I'm going to take a really quick break and then we're going to talk more about the episode. So as I said, kale is feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. And she decides that she's going to go visit Texas to see her cousins and her sister. And she's out with Gigi and Gigi goes, you have a sister? She plans a trip to Texas and her cousin is like, yeah, totally. That would be so fun if you come. And Kale's like, well, do you do you think my sister will want to meet up with me? And her cousin says, yeah, I, you know, I think so. And her cousin is really nice. I really like her cousin. I think Kale is still close-ish to her. I know. I think Kale like goes to see her in Texas. Um, I don't know, like. I don't know. I don't know if Kale is super close with anybody, honestly. Like, I don't I don't know if Kale has that ability, but I think that she is close ish with her cousins or at least was for like a significant period of time. But she goes to Texas. And as I said, like her cousin is just so great. By the way, I don't remember her cousin or her sister's name because the cousins on her dad's side, including her, all have essentially the same name. They're like Michaela, Kalen. Callie like I don't remember what it is but they all have essentially the same exact name so I'm just gonna call them cousin and sister I think the sister is Michaela which is crazy when Kale's name is Kalen <laughs> the cousin is like yes I wish Isaac could be here and Kale's like I know I'm like why couldn't Isaac be there I think Kale didn't want to bring Isaac which truly fair enough right she wanted to like get away and have a vacation but her cousin brings her out to lunch and she's like, I love living in Austin. And Kale's like, well, should I move here? And her cousin's like, yeah, you should. And I'm like, oh, Kale, girly, you're not moving anywhere. Um, they go to meet up with her sister at one point and we get the revelation <laughs> that they did not know of one another growing up. 
which is sad, right? That's really sad to me. Uh, her sister, maybe Michaela, <laughs> maybe Michaela is her name. Maybe Michaela uh, says that she's still really upset with her mom because she always felt like growing up that she had this kind of like other part of her that she didn't really know what it was, but she really felt like she had a sister, which like, you know, who knows, right? Who knows if she felt that way, but it's a sweet thing to hear, I guess. And she's just upset with her mom. And Kale was like incredibly generous in this scene in a way that kind of shocked me. And that also makes me sad because I watched these early episodes and so much of Kale is same, same. So much of Kale is same, same. But you see these little moments in which I'm like, those have been like beat out of her. Like that in current day, Kale, I don't think she would have been this generous towards her sister's mom. I think that she doesn't trust anybody. She is, her back is up against the wall. I've talked about this. Like if we're looking at our responses is like flight, fight. Now there's two more. Did you know that? Freeze, but then also fawn, which is really interesting um, where you like flatter the person to try and help yourself. I think that's definitely very interesting and true. But I think that Kale is constantly in fight mode, constantly, constantly, constantly. She is always, always trying to have a fight. Um, I don't know if she even realizes that that's true about herself, but it is. And basically, Kale says, you know, I think your mom just like didn't know how. Like, don't be mad at her. She was a good mom. She just like didn't know how to tell you, which I think is probably true I personally think it's so fucked up it's so 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 fucked up I mean I guess it was like the 90s I'll have a little more empathy for it but it's almost like telling your kid that they're adopted and like or like not telling your kid that they're adopted to like withhold that information it's one thing if you genuinely do not know right like there are plenty of people that have siblings that the their mom does not fucking know that their dad has had multiple kids. I mean, this is the era of 23andMe, right? Like where families are being shattered by these DNA tests. It's not funny. It just, it's not funny, but it like it kind of is because it's, it's like nobody could have ever predicted that. <laughs> like you would just be able to like get a kit in the mail and then like destroy a hundred years of family secrets like going online. But to know that information and to withhold it, I think, is fucked up. And I understand why parents do this, especially in the case of, like, you know, Kale is living in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's possible that Michaela's mom had absolutely no contact with Susie. And so she probably felt like, well, what's the point of telling Michaela if they can't have any sort of relationship or that just hurt her more like I I can understand that and like I said I mean this is happening in like a pre-internet world a pre everybody's been to therapy world this is just like the beginning of like really strong like identity politics stuff so I can see why a parent would do it it's just it's fucked up it's fucked up it's you shouldn't okay Obviously, everything comes with time and needs to be age appropriate. But in general, I personally believe that you shouldn't withhold information from somebody about themselves. Now, as I said, age appropriate. 
(laughs) It must be age appropriate. And some of this stuff is really hard. But having your child find out as a teen or an adult that something has been withheld about their identity, which a sibling is, right? That's part of people's identities, having siblings. Um, Finding out that you've withheld that information, not that you didn't know, but that you choose to not tell them, creates a lot of resentment and a lot of betrayal. I'm actually this year for my internship working um, in adoption, like adoptee advocacy. And one of the women that I'm working with is a, well, they're both therapists. I'm working for these two therapists uh, that are both adoptees themselves and they work with adoptees. They're fucking amazing. We had like, when I had my, my friend worked for him last year for his internship and was like, you have to apply here for next year. When we had my interview, we talked for like an hour and a half, like the three of us like vibed. But one of them is actually getting her PhD and trying to develop Uh, like a clinically proven method on telling adoptees hard information about themselves. So she has found that in her sessions, she has these adoptees and the parents will come to her and be like, oh, well, their bio dad is a murderer, but don't tell them. And so she's trying to develop a way, like a research-based way in telling children this stuff, which I think is so interesting and so important. You know, she disclosed that she was a child, uh, like she was produced as a result of sexual assault and like finding that out about herself was like really fucking hard and I just I think it's so important that people get to have information about themselves and I think a sister like having a sibling is part of that and it's hard but life is hard right raising kids is hard I say because I know because I've I surprise I have eight children that I've all raised like I just think that people have a right to know about themselves. I really do. And a lot of it stems from like what I know about adoption and adoptees. But also like there's a lot of other stuff in this world. Like there's donee stuff, like people who are born as a result of donor sperm. Um, There's a lot of issues there and surrogacy and just like these, this stuff that we want to hide from children because we think it will actually have no impact on their lives can create a lot of resentment. So Poor Michaela is like really she's upset with her mom. Kale is being very generous and we find out Kaylin lets us know she didn't know either, which like no shit, right? <laughs> I think the issue is that Michaela comes from like a closest family. She has a brother and a mother that she's very close with. So I think she feels like a real sense of betrayal. I think Kale doesn't feel so much of a sense of betrayal because I'm not sure Kale can feel betrayed by Susie at this point in her life. You know, like I think that I think that to be betrayed, one must trust first. What is that fish lyric? Each betrayal begins with trust. Everyone returns to dust. <laughs> I liked fish in high school, um, but <laughs> sorry. Um, where was I? Oh, so I don't think Kale for a long time has trusted Susie to feel betrayed by her. But we find out that Susie had a boyfriend that Kale and the boyfriend got into a huge fight. And he told her during that fight that she has a sister that she doesn't know about. That is so fucked up. And I hear all of the time people want to doubt if Kale's childhood was really that bad, blah, 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 because nobody trusts Kale because Kale's an unreliable narrator. Okay, she lies a lot. And she's kind of a monster. So people want to be like, well, she's probably lying about her mom and it's not that bad. 
yeah, here's the thing. If you have a childhood in which you find out about a sister of yours because your mom's boyfriend and you are fighting and he decides to throw that information in your face when you are a teenager, you've had a bad childhood. Full stop. You've had a bad childhood. And when I heard that, I just, I really, really felt for Kale. Oh, gosh. She's at the end of the episodes wanting to move to Texas, as I said. And she's like, well, I mean, I probably can't because I think if I tell Joe that, he'll say, okay, you go to Texas. I'll keep, I'll keep um, Isaac here, which I think she's right. I'm like, oh, yeah, she knows Joe. <laughs> Okay, let's chat Chelsea, who had a truly very boring two episodes. Um, Chelsea's in a real stagnant period of her life, and it's very obvious on the show, right? So she is in the process of getting her GED, but she can't really do anything until she gets her GED. She's decided that she is going to beauty school. She meets with Landon and decides that she is he's she's going to have him like give her a tour of the beauty school. Oh, but first she says this is her first line in the episode. I've been thinking a lot about therapy, but I'm not sure if I need to keep going. <laughs> Oh, Chelsea, you could have saved yourself so much pain if you just kept going to therapy, probably. She tells her mom that she doesn't want to go because it's just like the same stuff that everybody else is telling her. And her mom is like, well, did she give you any books to read? And she goes, why would I read a book to get over someone, mom? (laughs) Chelsea is such a bitch her mom. It's really funny to watch. uh, And it really, it really doesn't bother me. To me, it's just so obviously like, parent like a, a mom and her daughter dynamics right but I'm like oh Chelsea Chelsea could have shortened that sentence instead of why would I read a book to get over someone I think what Chelsea actually wants to say is why would I read a book because <laughs> I'm not sure Chelsea has ever read a book <laughs> like, look not everybody's a reader that's fine. I don't think I'm better than anybody else because I read, especially the shit that I read. It does not <laughs> add any value to my life. By the way, loved Ellen Hildebrand's new summer novel, Hotel Nantucket. Perfect. Love Ellen. Is that how you say her name, Ellen? It's spelled E-L-I-N, but I I always assume it's Ellen, but I don't know. Um, but Hotel Nantucket was lovely. If you're looking to check out her new book, I definitely recommend doing it. I've actually really liked her last like six releases. I loved um, Golden Girl last summer. I loved 28 Summers. Oh my gosh, I loved that. And then she had this series, Winter in Paradise, that took place on the island of St. John, which was fabulous. Loved it. So I love Beach Read. So who am I to judge Chelsea for not reading, right? Um, But I do think that reading is very valuable in that people should read if they can. I understand that, like, look, you're talking to somebody with learning disabilities. Like, I'm not judging people who can't sit down and read, but I'm also not going to act like it's not a good thing to be a reader because I do think it's a good thing to be a reader. And I think that Chelsea should read. (laughs) That's my final thought. I think that Chelsea should read a book. (laughs) But yes, Chelsea goes to visit the beauty salon. Lander, Lander, Landon takes her to like where all the wigs are. And she goes, 
why are they all brown head? And that, my friends, is why Chelsea should read a book. <laughs> because she does not know the word brunette. <laughs> brown head. <laughs> so silly. Um, They meet with, like, the instructor person at the beauty school. And he lets her know that she can't start until she finishes her GED. I always thought that a GED was, like, you sit down and you take it in one day. I Like, I think most people do do that, right? Like, you just take your GED test. I wonder if it's common to take it in sections over a period of a year, like Chelsea did. Very curious about that. Like, how long is each section? If you have your GED, let me know, because I'm definitely curious about that. Um, Landon tells her that it took him 13 years, 13 years, 13 months to do school, but you have to show up Every single day, it's 40 hours a week. If you're one minute late, you don't get to go to class. And I guess the way it works at cosmetology school is like you kind of go at your own pace to a certain extent. Um, but like you have to have a certain amount of hours to qualify like for your certificate. Um, so you can do it as fast as 13 months, I guess. But he's basically implying that it could take Chelsea a lot more. Chelsea goes, one minute? <laughs> And as we know, Chelsea does not complete cosmetology school because she had to drop out to plan Aubrey's birthday party, which is a, you know, completely reasonable reason to drop out of school. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, Chelsea takes two more of her GED tests. She gets her, she passes her social studies and her reading. Uh, Before she takes the test, Randy goes, well, you can read, right? (laughs) And it's like, well verdicts out I guess like can Chelsea read (laughs) look it's not funny but there are a lot of adults in America that are functionally illiterate it's fucked up it's really fucked up also like your reading level at the age of like eight or something determines so much about you like statistically says so much about you it's so fucked up our country is so fucked up it's so fucked up News news flash. I have some information for you guys. The United States public school system, it's not great in most places. (laughs) Come back to Feathers in My Hair for some more really interesting takes about the United States. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, She also slyly asks Randy if he's going to pay her bills while she's in beauty school, which is funny because I do think there is an element of teen mom money here. Like they're making teen mom money here. If you'll notice in this season, you don't hear about anybody working. Nobody has a job. I don't think Kale's even working at this point. They're all managing to go to school. They're all managing to drive decent cars. They're living in decent places. They're not making like big, big, big money. But I think in this season, they're probably making after taxes like $60,000 a year, let's say. Like they're making a significant amount of money. They're selling stories to tabloids. And it just is obvious, like, especially with someone like Kale, if you watch her early, like the first two seasons in which she's like, has to like get an apartment from a charity versus now, it's clear that she's in like a financially better place. MTV is paying for trips. Obviously, she's getting to go to Texas. MTV filmed the whole thing. They definitely paid for it. And so for Janelle or not Janelle, for Chelsea to be like, so are you going to pay for my bills? 
uh, is funny because I think she might be able to pay for her own bills at this point. Also, here's the thing. Um, you guys know that at my worst, I am Chelsea. I am a daddy's girl through and through. I say as I sit in my daddy's apartment at the beach. <laughs> He's fishing. He left for fishing at one o'clock in the morning. He is too old to be doing that. I'm like, you are an old man, like waking up and going fishing at one o'clock in the morning. He goes, I sleep on the boat. I lay on the floor. I'm like, yeah, you're too old for that. Um, That is honestly like the way that she's asking him. It's so bad. It's how I definitely would have asked my dad back in the day because she goes, so... Am I expected to have a job while I'm in beauty school? And Randy's like, well, no. I mean, it's 40 hours a week. Like, that's going to be your job. And she goes, so how are my bills going to get paid? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's truly me at 20. Like, me at my fucking worst. Oh, God. I'm really glad that I'm not like that anymore, that I've grown up out of that. Which I bet Chelsea is, too, because now she makes her own money. Um, but like when you're spoiled, you're spoiled, you know, and I'm a spoiled girl. It, there is no denying that. And I would do some shit like that. Like how, how am I going to pay for it? Waiting for my dad to be like, I'll pay for it. Um, she does make a joke that should she become a stripper when she's like, should I strip? (laughs) Her and Randy are so weird. So weird. I'll never make that joke to my dad. Um, And as I said, she passed her two GEDs. All she has left is math and science. So mazel tov to Chelsea. All right. Let's talk about Janelle. Janelle and Leah both had pretty wild episodes. Not wild, but like a lot happens that I feel like is really relevant to the rest of their lives, basically. (laughs) Poor Janelle is back on her meds, but they're not really working because she was off her meds for a while. Um, She still is accepting her bipolar diagnosis, and I would love for her to accept that once again. I, I wish that she could accept that. You know, I really do. I wish that she could accept mental health help and get on meds and shit. But Barbara and Janelle, the episode starts with them fighting about Jace. Janelle, I guess, has a cold and Barbara's like, you'll get him sick if you hold him. And Janelle then starts screaming that Barbara has Jace playing with cable cords and that it's not stable here. (laughs) And she storms out. It's just so toxic, the two of them. And is Barb doing her best? I guess. I guess she is. You know, like Barb is a woman in her 60s working at Walmart dealing with three unwell kids also raising her grandson so like that's good right like that's that's good I guess but just like watching her pick at Janelle is really hard for me um there are so many times where Barb could not escalate the situation into a fight and she does every time every single time like Janelle is living in the house with Jace. If Jace is going to get sick, like he's going to get sick. Telling Janelle like not to go near Jace and yelling at her about it is like it's not going to help. It's not going to help the situation at all. So Janelle goes to see Josh and is like, I need to move out. I need to move out. And he's like, well, we have a third bedroom at my house that my mom is looking for a roommate for. Apparently the rent or I guess her mortgage is $800, which 
makes sense. Like, I, I guess that makes sense because this is, you know, she probably bought the house in like the early 2000s. Um, they're in North Carolina, which I know has had like a huge, huge, huge housing uh, cost of living rise in the last 10 to 15 years because of well, cost of living everywhere has gotten more expensive, but also because of um, like the tech companies coming to rally Durham. But I mean, you see the house Barbara lives in and owns and it's nice and she works at Walmart and Mike has a blue collar job. But I think Barb bought that house by herself. Like, I, I don't think Mike went in on that house with her. And she owned that before Teen Mom. So I think the like, I think that the cost of living is low-ish there or low enough that, like, she probably does have a cute little three-bedroom house that's an $800 mortgage. Uh, but, yeah, I was like, holy shit, sign me up for an $800 mortgage. That's all I want in this world. Um, but... She's like, well, yeah, I could move in, but I, I, you know, I think we had to take things slow. And basically he's like presenting it as um, like that he's a roommate. They're going to be roommates because Janelle's going to rent a room. She's going to have her own room, which LOL, you know, just LOL. Janelle goes to lunch with Amber and Amber is like, girl, (laughs) what? It's saying what I said, like you're you're not going to be roommates. So when Barb finds out that Janelle's going to move, she's like, well, I mean, I don't know. Isn't this a little soon? Janelle does the roommate thing. And Janelle's like, well, I'm hoping that you like will let me babysit Jace. And Barb is like, I don't know. I want you just to live here and live with Jace. And this is another thing about Barb. I understand she's hesitant about this because like Janelle's going to move into this random guy's house and any parent would be hesitant about that. And I think that Barb also sees like the writing on the wall that this is going to blow up and then she's going to have to go in and save Janelle and Janelle's going to move back. So like, let's just skip this step anyway. Right. Like, <laughs> Let's skip this step and then we don't have to deal with it. Um, but at the same time, it's like you and Janelle fight so much, like let her move out. I mean, Barb doesn't have a say in it, but maybe just like be happy for her. I don't think Barb's ever been happy for Janelle. And look, how could you be right? Janelle makes terrible decisions, but I don't know. She can't even like fake the enthusiasm. Uh, They go and meet up with her, like the Josh to look at the house. Uh, Barbara's happy about it. She is like, you know, we'll see. Like, it's a nice house. This is clearly not a party house. I think it'll be a good environment for you. Mike, Barbara's ex-boyfriend, is there. And he goes, I think this is bullshit. (laughs) They're out at lunch afterwards. And he's like, this is stupid. You should not do this. You're moving too fast. (laughs) Barb is like, well, I mean, I, th- I think it could be good. I think it could be good. And Mike's like, I don't. I don't. I think this is a bad idea. Because <laughs> remember, like, Mike is fully raising Jace with Barbara at this point. Like, they're partners. They've been partners for many years at this point. They live together. I, I think Jace, or Mike, as far as we know, takes care of Jace as much as Barb does. Like, they're raising that baby together. And he's seen the everyday of Janelle. So... He's not like I don't think he's her stepdad officially and I don't think they like have that type of relationship. But I think that it's just interesting to think of like a man fully involved in the dynamic, like in a, a man on Barbara's side, fully involved in the Barbara and Janelle dynamic because we just don't see it on 
even the early seasons, like we don't see Mike involved that much. Um, I think Mike probably was at work most of the time they were filming. And I, you know, I think that he just isn't Janelle's dad, doesn't like get involved like that. But I think he's really active in Jace's life. Okay. So in the next episode, Janelle is still waiting for her meds to kick in and she's having bad mood swings. And she's like really worried that she moved in with Josh too quickly. She goes to get friend with lunch with her friend Allison. And she's basically like, I don't like Josh. <laughs> she's like, everything he does annoys me. He's immature. He thinks he's funny and he's fucking not. Every time he laughs, I want to kill him. Like, I was laughing so hard at this because this, this is so real. When you think you like like a guy and then you start spending more time with him and you're like, everything you do makes me want to kill myself. That is. And then like it's times 10 with when you live with them like oh poor Janelle I really I really laughed at that she's like on paper like everything is good about him and I'm like well is that true is that true Janelle but I guess on Janelle's paper you know in Janelle's notebook everything is good in my notebook I don't know if I would say that uh but she's like I can't really pinpoint it but he's weird she says that him being nice is just a front most of this episode surrounds Janelle wanting Jace to spend the night at the new house. She is like really obsessed with the fact that Barbara has not let her do this yet. Josh is like, well, you know, does your mom think that she's Jace's mom? And Janelle's like, I think she does, but she won't admit it. Even when I'm around, she has to be in charge, which is true. And I I have always said that Barbara fucked up with this, right? And that she was like unable to let Janelle take any of the lead. But let's examine this sentence. Even when I'm around. When I'm around. (laughs) A.K.A. (laughs) I'm not around my child that much and Barbara is. Because if you are a parent, a primary parent, an active parent, there's no even when I'm around because you're always around, right? And so while on one hand, I like do feel for Janelle a lot of the times when she's like having these power battles with Barb, on the other hand, it's like, well, Jace needs a steady 100% of the time parent. And that's what Barbara is doing. And I understand why it's very hard for her to step back and just like let Janelle fuck up because Barb is the one that's going to have to deal with it. And like Janelle doesn't spend enough time with Jace that Barbara can be like, yeah, just it's fine if you fuck up. Like she does. Janelle doesn't have authority. And Barbara is the one that's his primary parent. And Janelle thinks that she should just be able to float in whenever she wants and parent him, which is probably annoying as hell for Barbara. But at the same time, like, why does Janelle think that? Because Barbara has enabled that Janelle's whole life, right? Like that Janelle can do whatever the fuck she wants, whenever the fuck she wants to do it. She'll have to deal with Barbara yelling at her, but that's really the only consequence. It's interesting. Janelle is the type of kid that was raised without any real consequences or boundaries. She just had a parent that was very emotionally abusive. And so what I mean by that is like there was no I think there was no like when Janelle would do something, there was like no discussion of consequences. I think that Janelle knew that she could like kind of do whatever she wanted. 
Barbara would scream at her. And then once they got past the screaming, like she could do whatever she wanted again. And I think that's really common in dysfunctional families, right? Where it's like you're not necessarily punished the way that a kid in a healthy family would receive a punishment you're just screamed at and so if you just deal with the screaming then cool we're on to the next one uh and that like that's why Janelle feels like she can just come and go whenever she pleases with Jace because Barb has facilitated that environment I mean I can't I don't know if there's anyone like off the top of my head but there have definitely been parents on 16 and pregnant that the parent like the mom and dad stepped in and the grandparents stepped in and they were not just allowed to come and go as they please right at least I think they're but okay so we see Jace drink out of the bottle juice out of the bottle <laughs> Janelle takes Jace to a pumpkin patch they have a cute little day she brings Jace home and once again she's like I want Jace to spend the night I want Jace to spend the night and Barbara's like look Janelle, I have to think. This is a recent thing. I just need some time. And Janelle's like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I was just able to take him for two hour, a two hour white pumpkin patch. I think that's what she said. I was a little confused by if she meant like I had him for two hours or I took him two hours away. But now, like, I'm not good enough to take him overnight. And Barbara's like, well, you know, like... It's just all of a sudden you've you're taking him and now like I I just need time and Janelle goes it's not all of a sudden I've been taking him for weeks which once again Jace is what three years old (laughs) and Barbara's like you have to show me that you're more responsible and this is when Janelle's like whatever 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 you're making excuses and Barbara's like well I mean what are you going to do when he spends the night? He wakes up at 630. You don't get up at 630. And Janelle's like, if he was there, I would get up at 630. And just storms out. And get they get into a huge fight. So Janelle's having trouble adjusting to her medicine. And when I was watching it, I kind of took this at face value because... Oh, my God. I Like, I have adjusted to medicine. It fucking sucks. And I, I do think there's a good chance that's what's going on here. But after I watched the episode and when I was thinking about it a little earlier today, I thought, wow, Janelle gets hooked on heroin really soon after this episode because I was kind of looking to see when Kiefer came back. And Kiefer's back in the picture within like three episodes. And then very quickly, she's doing dope, right? Like, very quickly. So I'm assuming, I think what we know is that she was already taking opiate pills, opioids. I wonder if Janelle's dope sick here. Like, so basically they're supposed to take a big family outing with Mike, Barb, Jace, Josh, and Janelle. So Barb, Mike, and Jace come over to the house and Janelle is in bed. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I feel so shitty. I can't. And... Yes, I could definitely see this being like a adjusting to meds thing, but I don't know. It also really read as dope sick to me. Now that I'm like thinking about it like that, I'm like, she could definitely be dope sick, like in withdrawal from opioids. So Barbara's like, what? What? I don't like what is going on. And Barbara and Josh talk and Josh says that Janelle isn't feeling well and that she took Klonopin 
I think that's what he said the night before on top of her other meds. And I'm like, well, she took a Klonopin. She should be feeling good. Like, take another one. <laughs> oh, I'm so sick in the head still. So Josh goes into Janelle's room to talk to her. And she's like, I just want me and you to go another day when I'm feeling better and I just want us to take Chase I don't want her to be there and Barbara comes in and Janelle's like I just don't feel good and Barbara's like no I understand and Janelle's like no you don't and then Barb starts and this is where once again I'm like so what are we doing here why are why is Barbara escalating this fight right and this is where like you could be like, well, Janelle was yelling at her first, but like Janelle is the very sick in the head teenager or very early 20s person. Barbara is the adult. Why Barbara like chooses to engage in these fights will always be beyond me. It would be so much easier for Barb to be like, OK, bye, Janelle. Fine. You don't feel well. We're leaving. We're going to go. But no, Barb has to come in and start fighting. You always disappoint, Jace. You always do this. I'm sick of this. And it's like, yeah, I'm I'm sure you are sick of this. But this is the problem with Janelle and Barbara, right? Like, as I said, Barbara lets Janelle walk all over her, do whatever the fuck she wants, do whatever the fuck she wants when it comes to Jace. And then Barbara starts screaming and then they scream at each other and then they separate wash, rinse, and repeat. And Janelle's actually talked about this, that like in the last few years, that one of the hardest aspects of her relationship with her mom is that they get into these blowups. And then two days later, Barb calls and like, is like, so what's going on? And Janelle's still mad. And I think that's very legitimate, right? Like that is such a unhealthy family dynamic thing where you get into these monster fights and then you're just expected once the other person is over it that everybody has to be over it. And I like I think to Barbara, these are not even monster fights. This is just every fucking day for her. And not because Barbara's a screamer. And like watching her go into Janelle's room and scream at her over this and like get into this scream match. It's like who benefited from this? Jace didn't. You didn't. Janelle didn't. Screaming at her isn't going to get her out of bed. And you know Janelle better than anybody else. That bitch is in bed. When Janelle is in bed, she's not she's donezo, right? Like she's not getting up. She's not coming. Just leave her alone, Barb. And I know some people are listening. It's like, well, why should Barb have to leave her alone? And it's like because that's like the healthy choice, right? Like I think a lot of times people judge the Janelle and Barb's relationship in such an unhealthy dynamic where they're like, of course, Barb treats her that way. Janelle is a monster. But like where I'm sitting from, it's like the way that Barbara treats Janelle makes Barbara's life worse as well. Barbara and Jace's life worse as well. Right. And Barbara has agreed to take custody of Jace. She could have said no and he could have went to foster care. I mean, that's just the truth. She could have said no, but she agreed to take custody of Jace and she needs to be acting in Jace's best interest and fighting with Janelle and screaming at Janelle it's not going to be in Jace's best interest and it's not in Barb's best interest either because how the fuck does this help Barb? This just makes Barb's day worse. So it's like, I guess the thing is, it's like, I know why Janelle is the way that she is 
And I mean, I guess I know why Barbara's the way she is because of her mental health issues in her childhood, right? Like we're all in this multi-generational trauma cycle. I, I get it. But at the same time, like Barb has had a lot longer to work on herself than Janelle has, and she has not done the work. Even in this, oh, I forgot, Josh asks, like, has your mom ever considered, like, going to family therapy with you? And she says, my mom says she doesn't need it. We don't need to do counseling. Only I need to do it, which I I believe. Like, I think that Barb doesn't really even see an issue with the way that she interacts with Janelle, honestly. Um, So after this big blowout fight, Josh and Janelle are talking and Josh is like, I think that you need to cut ties with Barb. And Janelle is like, but then she won't let me see Jace. And Josh is like, well, she won't let you see him anyway now, unless it's like on her terms. So, which he has a point, right? I think what you would really want to say is like, well, do you really care to see Jace? Because it doesn't seem like you do. And this is very obviously like close to the end of Josh and Janelle. I think next time we see them, they'll be breaking up. Okay, let's talk about Leah and Corey being a fucking dick. Corey is such a dickhead. (laughs) This is such dickhead behavior, the way that Corey acts in this episode. I kind of forgot that he was doing this and I was like, wow, you're a dickhead. Like this, this sucks. Treating people this way fucking sucks. So. Jeremy and Leah are doing great. They go to meet Leah's family, Dawn and Isaac and Victoria and her stepdad. Lee are there. At one point, Lee takes Jeremy onto the porch, like have a one-on-one man conversation with him. I kind of forgot like how involved Lee was in the early days, Leah's stepdad. And I was like, yeah, I guess he like really was her father for most of the time. In her book, she talks about how much she hates him. And how they never got along. But in these early seasons, like, he really is the dad. Dawn thinks that Jeremy is pretty decent, but is worried about, like, his long-term commitment because of the pipeline, right? Like, she's like, I just, I don't really see how you can have a family if you're gone. And, you know, point for Dawn, that's correct. So we see Corey and Jeremy meet at a drop-off. Leah's life is just a series of continuous (laughs) drop-offs. Everything significant that has ever happened in Leah's life (laughs) has happened while dropping those girls off in a parking lot. (laughs) Everything. Every single significant other of Leah's that Corey has met has been at this (laughs) drop-off. Corey admits to his dad that he's jealous seeing Leah with someone else and like this is it's so obvious that this is why he does everything else that he does he's such a dick remember Corey had already been talking to other girls right like Corey had already been dating other girls he had already been putting on Facebook that he was in a relationship and now he sees that Leah is with this guy and he's pretty serious and they're like moving seriously and so Corey's like no 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 we gotta fix this so Corey just texts Leah and is like I miss you and our family oh god what a scumbag and he's like sorry I just had to tell you I know you're happy and I don't want to get in the way of course you do of course you do or you wouldn't send that Leah is super confused at their first post-sex drop-off um they sit and talk and Corey is like well you know like I don't want to confuse you and 
ruin something that you have. And Leah's like, what? Like, Leah is so fucked up in the head over this, and I don't blame her. Because on one hand, Corey is being like, he's just doing the shittiest thing where he's like, I want to be with you, but like, you know, I know you love Jeremy. So like, be with Jeremy. That's fine. I just wanted to let you know. I just wanted to let you know that I want our family to be back together. <laughs> she goes, Leah goes to talk to Victoria and Victoria is like, Corey's a fucking asshole. I knew he would do this once he saw you happy. This is bullshit. Don't get back with him. And then Leah starts to do her thing, which all of these girls do on this show where she's like, but I don't want my girls to think that I didn't try with their dad and I'm like what whenever they say that I'm like what like you have been separated from their dad since they were like eight months here eight months I was gonna say eight months years old eight months like I just don't think the girls are gonna think like that you know (laughs) like they will have no memories of their parents being together even when they go back and rewatch this shit, Victoria is on the same page as me. She's like, shut up, Leah. Like, that doesn't mean anything. Of course, they're going to know you tried and you are you are just being nuts. Like, you're being nuts even entertaining this. She's like, it's a bad reason to be with Corey because you want to, like, prove to the girls that you tried. And Leah is crying and confused. So in the next episode, Jeremy comes over and she tells him straight up. She's like, I don't want to play you. I want to be honest with you. And Jeremy is like, well, you know, it's fucked up. Of Corey, he's the one that let it go in the first place. And I'm like, well, did he? Did he? I know he was the one that kind of like broke up and said they were going to get divorced. But then Lee is the one that actually filed for divorce. So jury's out on that one. Leah is like, well, you know. I just don't want the girls to think that I didn't try once again, still on that shit. And Jeremy's like, look, you know, I got it. You need to do what makes you happy. He says, but Jeremy won't be around no more. Jeremy will be gone. (laughs) Which is like, yes, of course, of course. And Leah seems like kind of upset by this. Jeremy's like, look, my ex played me. She played head games with me and I'm not doing it again. And Lee goes, I'm not playing head games with you. I'm being honest. It's just different because I have kids with Corey. Your ex didn't have kids with somebody else. And it's like, well, okay. And it is different because you have kids with Corey. But like at the same time, it's not different for Jeremy, right? Like it's different for you, Leah. And like you have a different reasoning behind your head games with Jeremy than his ex did but it's same same result for Jeremy that he's still gonna get fucked over he's absolutely right he shouldn't be sitting around while Leah's trying to figure this out and he's like you know what I am gonna leave but I'm like pretty nervous to leave you this week which he should be because I'm 100% sure Leah and Corey have sex so because Leah goes over to Corey's to talk to him and they're both being like well you know, I miss how it used to be. And Leah's like, I just want to know what you want. And Corey's like, you know, you're the only girl I've ever been in love with. I get such butterflies when I see you. They're both acting like super nervous and giggly and laughing. I'm like, oh, they fucked after this. A hundred percent. There is no way they were not having sex after this. (laughs) Like zero possibility. Zero, 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 zero possibility. He's like, you know, my ex still gives me butterflies, which means I'm in love with her. So stupid. Corey says, you know, I should have just like stepped back and taken some time to think. And he's like, I just want us back. I just want our family back. 
And she's like, well, Corey, like, I, I just don't know. And he's like, what? I don't want to. I don't want to hurt you. I don't know what it will look like when we get back together. And Leah's like, we're in this cycle where we break up for six months and we get back together and then we break up for six months. And I just don't want to keep doing that. And he's like, well, you know, like, I can't guarantee you that that won't happen again. (laughs) He's basically being like, really, I love you and I want to be with you. Maybe I want to be with you, but like, I'm not sure how it will go. And Leah is rightfully upset by this. Like later in the episode, she says, you know, if Corey was sitting there and he's like, you are the love of my life. We are going to make this work. It's going to be hard. But you and me and the girls are going to live together and we're going to be a family and we're going to make it work. I would be willing. But he's sitting here being like, well, maybe, 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 maybe. And he like can't give me any guarantees. And I was like, wow, Leah, that's actually very insightful coming from Leah. Leah wants to like think about it, but also she wants to not take it so slow because she doesn't want to fuck over Jeremy. And this is Corey's like, I feel so bad. I wish I just said nothing. I know I fucked with you and Jeremy. And it's like, oh, shut up, Corey. Shut up. So she just still isn't sure what she wants to do. She doesn't trust Corey, really, but she loves him and wants to be with him. She just wants him to be clear. So Leah and Corey sit in the car to talk at a drop off. And Leah's like, you know, like, I never stop wanting to be with you. I just don't trust that you want to be with me. And Corey's like, so you don't want to try anymore? And Leah's like, no, I just need some enthusiasm from you because you have never said, like, I just want to be with you. I need to be with you. And Corey's like, well, I don't know. It's scary. There's a lot to think about. And Leah's like, well, I'm going to move on if I have to. And Corey's like, I don't know what I want to do. And Leah's like, well, that's the problem. Maybe you need more time. Like, you should know what you want to do if you're coming to me about this, which is 100% absolutely true. Corey says, I know I want us together. I just don't know how it will be. And Corey's like, I just think our life will be better if we're together. It's just such horseshit. It's so clear that he saw Leah happy with Jeremy and he flipped out and he was like nervous and upset that Leah would dare to move on. And so he decided to throw a wrench in it and he did a good job, right? He did a good job. So Leah goes to talk to Lee and Dawn about this. And she's like, you know, like whenever Corey and I were good, we were great. And to that I say, is that true? (laughs) Were you? When were you and Corey great? I'm not sure that there was ever a time. Lee is like, Leah, stop saying this shit about like, you just want to try for the girls. You're the one that did try, which once again, I'm like, is that true? (laughs) And Dawn is like, I just don't want you to be unfair to Jeremy. This is fucked up. And Leah is really concerned that she doesn't feel that Corey's being sincere. Leah's being like so reasonably insightful here. It's genuinely shocking. (laughs) Uh, So that's it for this week's throwback. I guess next week we'll be at Young and Pregnant. I hope you all have a lovely week. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains. You hear me talk about the one and only Teal Swan and then big people, little world. That's fucked up. It's called little people, big world. Uh, Listen to me there. Love you all. Have a good week. Bye.
This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.